implications and implications. She saw them all, including the most hideous one, deicide. But she knew them solely to expiate them and to be forever the woman who has mercy on sinners and prays for their redemption. This thought will be the introduction to other holy things that I will give for your benefit and the welfare of many people. Chapter 2 Joachim and Anne Make a Vow to the Lord I see the inside of a house. In it, there is an elderly woman sitting at a loom. Noting that her hair, which formerly was definitely jet black, is now quite gray and her face, though not wrinkled, has the seriousness that comes with age. I would say that she must be fifty-five years old, not more. In estimating a woman's age, I base my calculations upon my mother's face, whose image is more than ever present to me in these times, which remind me of her final days at my bedside. The day after tomorrow, it will be a year since I had my last look at her. My mother had a very youthful face, but was prematurely gray. When she was fifty, she was as gray as at the end of her life. But apart from the maturity of her appearance, nothing betrayed her age. I could therefore be mistaken in estimating the age of an elderly woman. The woman I see, weaving in a room, bright with the light coming from a door wide open onto a large garden, a small holding, I would call it, because it smoothly extends up and down a green slope, the woman is beautiful in her definite Jewish features. Her eyes are black and deep, and while I do not know why, they remind me of the Baptists. But although they are as proud as the eyes of a queen, they are also sweet, as if a veil of blue had been laid on the flash of an eagle, sweet and somewhat sad, as of a person who thinks of and regrets lost things. Her skin is brown but not excessively so. Her mouth, slightly large, is well-formed and is motionless in its austere setting, which, however, is not a hard one. Her nose is long and thin, slightly drooping, an aquiline nose, which suits her eyes. She is well-built, but not fat, well-proportioned, and I think tall, judging her by the position in which she is sitting. I think she's weaving a curtain or a carpet. The many-colored spools move fast along the brown-colored weft, and what has already been woven shows a vague plated work of Greek frets and rosettes in which green, yellow, red, and deep blue interweave and blend as in a mosaic. The woman is wearing a very plain dark dress, a red-violet color, the hue of a kind of, of a pansy. She stands up when she hears someone knocking at the door. She's actually quite tall. She opens the door. A woman asks her, Anne, will you give me your amphora? I will fill it for you. The woman has a lovely five-year-old child with her who at once clings to Anne's dress and she caresses him while going into another room and returns with a beautiful copper amphora which she hands to the woman saying, you are always good to old Anne. Indeed you are. 
May God reward you with this son and the other children you will have, you fortunate one. Anne sighs. The woman looks at her and does not know what to say in the circumstances. To divert attention from this distressing situation of which she is aware, she remarks, I am leaving Alpheus with you, if you do not mind, so that I will be quicker and I will fill many jars and jugs for you. Alpheus is very pleased to stay, and the reason is clear. As soon as his mother is gone, Anne picks him up and takes him into the orchard, lifts him up to a pergola of grapes as golden as a topaz, and says to him, Eat, eat, because they are good. And she kisses him on his little face, soiled with the juice of the grapes with the child, which the child eats avidly. Then she laughs heartily, and at once looks younger on account of the lovely set of teeth she displays, and the joy that shines on her face. Dispel-